Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a special Eurogamer podcast all about mental health. On Tuesday, so when this video will be going live, that's the 10th of October, it's World Mental Health Day. And to honour the occasion, I've gathered two Eurogamer pillars, past and present, <laughs> to discuss stories about our own journeys through mental health, and then the games that we feel help us understand mental health a little bit better, and also the games that also just generally are very good for our mental health, whether or not they focus on that topic specifically or not, is a different matter. So joining me today, we've got former Eurogamer video whiz turned streamer extraordinaire, also have to say Johnny, a DM with the most unwavering patience I have ever seen. <laughs> it's uh, Johnny Chiadini. Hi, it's lovely, like really, really lovely to be back doing something uh, Eurogamer related and to be called a pillar. I think honestly, a pillar would have been better, but like more, more apps. But honestly, I'm gonna really love doing this. Thank you so much for having me on. Gonna keep it as pillar, I think. Maybe I'll say pillar behind your back later. Who knows? That's you know what you have my 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 blessing to to describe me as that and. Okay. Yeah. Anything you like, really. Huh, well, ooh, such options. Also joining me today is uh, Eurogamer Stronghold. We've got Bertie Purchase, and he is the face of some of Eurogamer's most absorbing features podcasts of recent times, including just who is responsible for all that swearing in The Witcher. And from now on, I just want to call you Mr. Fancy Pants. I thought after you interrupted it, after you introduced it, sorry, it was a swearing thing. I thought you were going to say something else. Um, I mean, I I went through them. I watched the TikTok video and I went through them and I was like, I'm not sure I can say that on the podcast. So I thought Mr. Fancy Pants was nice, like a nice little touch, but not quite. I thought you were say Eurogame at Loudmouth or something. But um, thank you for having me. It is an pleasure <laughs> to be here. Just Eurogame is Fancy Pants, I think, is just the good umbrella term for you now. Not that you can see whether I'm wearing any pants. I'm not. I don't follow that thought. And now you do have a mirror behind you. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. See, Bertie's already wildly derailed me. I had all my introduction nicely written out, and we've already gone off piece talking about Bertie's potential pantless form. Right, it was in the way. So yes, and I am your host for today. I forgot to introduce myself. I am Victoria Phillips Kennedy. I am part of the Eurogames news team. Um, and I also have uh, some mental health conditions, which are something I live with every day. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. I also have post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and as I'm sure anyone listening can imagine, with those two sort of core conditions, I also have uh, waves of anxiety and depression with that. And so I was uh, hoping to turn to you guys now and just wondering if you would like to share any of your stories uh, with us and the listeners and watchers of your own mental health journey. Uh, Johnny, I know obviously when you were at Eurogamer, you had your wonderful low battery series. Are you able to share a little bit more about your journey to how you, you know, experienced mental health and how you came to create that series for Eurogamer? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I, uh, just for anyone uh who doesn't know i uh i have depression and anxiety uh both like i i like to refer to them as weapons grade um they're both they're both pretty pretty punchy so i would say my anxiety is something i have to manage on a daily basis um depression kind of comes and goes for me but um i was diagnosed formally in uh, i think 2012 so um over a decade ago now i spent much of that time um like quite heavily medicated uh with antidepressants which you know personally work for me etc etc um but i still do get sort of um periods of of just poor mental health um 
uh, I can sort of manage when my anxiety is bad, but it's when my depression is bad that I really find my life gets like properly disrupted. And actually, weirdly, it was during one of these episodes that I struck, I hit on the idea for low batteries because um, it was while I was part of the, the Eurogamer video team and um, we'd worked out the schedule that week and I knew that I needed to make a video that day. And I didn't know what. And every idea I had, I hated. And uh, it was about two in the afternoon and I was starting to panic because that's quite late in the day when you haven't even started the video you're supposed to make. So I went for a shower um, just to sort of calm down. And uh, I just had a moment where I gave up. Well, I didn't really give up. I sort of, it's almost like I gave in. Like the only thing I could think about was how depressed I was. And so I just thought, well, sod it. Why don't I just do something about that? So then I sort of hit on the idea of um, just exploring video games and depression. And uh, I didn't tell anyone that that's what I was doing or that I was giving it a name to make it kind of into a series. I sort of just did it. And then I thought, well, if, you know, because basically it felt like it was the only thing I could produce that day. And I thought, if this doesn't go down well, I won't do it again. And, you know, I'll apologize and sometimes it's easier to say sorry than to ask permission right um but luckily everyone responded really well to it um and um it was it was a really lovely thing to be able to do actually i was really grateful for the sort of the the backing from uh the rest of the Eurogamer video team and obviously the you know uh the editorial team as well to be like you know what yeah this is worth doing keep at it um so i made i think six episodes all in all um and yeah, it was a really interesting experience. It was also quite daunting because obviously uh, I've, you know, I've got depression and anxiety, but in terms of mental mental illness, that's like two scoops of vanilla, you know, like that is the 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 sort of, it is the, mo- the most common narrative, I think, that we experience through media or, you know, when people are talking about mental health what they're talking about 99% of the time is depression and anxiety. They're just not naming it. Um, so I was aware that obviously there are lots and lots of different uh, medical, uh, sorry, mental mental illnesses out there. And I wanted to cover them with sensitivity, but also the further I got from my own lived experience, the more I, it, uh, the more nerve wracking it, it became uh-huh. really, because I didn't want to misrepresent anything, but I did, mm. I didn't want to just keep drilling that narrative whereby, you know, mental illness equals feeling sad or anxious like that's not what it is for a lot of people mm-hmm. um so i i think I, I probably i stopped around the right time because i'm not a medical professional you know um yeah but it was it was nonetheless it was like it was a really lovely thing to be able to make and it was interesting to try and kind of uh get a perspective on uh mental conditions that aren't my own and all that kind of stuff and just yeah the 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 response was really, really lovely. It's like, it's always one of the things I think I'll be uh, proud of having done in my career, which is um, a nice thing to be able to say, I think. I think you're right. I think mental health can quite often just be this blanket term. But as you said, like there are so many different shades of, you know, e- even of, you know, one condition. Like, so for example, I have OCD. Um, I recently took part in the panel about OCD. And even though I was talking with others who have OCD as well, you know, we all are living these very different experiences. Like there's this huge spectrum of what a mental health condition can be, which is something I think is quite extraordinary, actually. Like when you really dig into it. But how about you, Betty? Is there anything you would like to share? Well, so to me, it feels like mental health or, you know, like Johnny was saying, I suppose the more common things associated with that, like, anxiety and depression or at least the things that people talk about are things that I have suffered from um, and still do and they feel like things I've I lost my mum when I was a teenager um, and I feel like that sped up my um, confrontation with these things because I I I sort of held on to that and then in in the years that followed it, it sort of came fizzing out in 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 various ways um, so I think I was exploring that stuff um, before there seemed to be a kind of people are so much more open and, and, and talk about this stuff so much more now. Like it's incredible, even, you know, within the company, people talk about having 
you know, days off for, you know, mental unwellness, or I don't know however you, you label it, because it, like, it's a sick day, right? You're not feeling up to working. So, yeah. And I get that and I hear that. And I'm like, to me, in my slightly old fashioned brain, because it wasn't a part of the generation I grew up with, I'm like, that's, you can you have a day off for that? And then I think, hang on, that's great. Um, but that just wasn't, when I was starting to look into this stuff, I'm quite a Bertie big mouth, you know, I kind of just talk <laughs> as I'm doing right now. Um, so I was kind of doing that. I was quite open with people. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm in therapy and talking to someone. And back then it was a bit more like, you know, people would say Luigi side eye you a bit, you know, and it's like, hang on, what? You're you're in therapy as if like, what? Like, like your yeah. stolen goods kind of thing. And but now it's it's great. And I, I love that it also seems that the video game playing community or aspects of it, not necessarily all of it, because it's a huge community now, but seem to be really open and connected with that stuff, mm-hmm. which I think is great. So it feels like a, it feels like a really supportive place to talk about that and share share mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I mean, you obviously mentioned Johnny that you were diagnosed. Uh, what you said a little over a decade ago. Do you feel then, like you know, obviously you have a very sort of you know face-fronted job like very much you know Johnny Chiodini is almost like your brand I suppose for want of a better word like you know <laughs> sure, like, yeah <laughs> um yeah no like yeah that's that is accurate it, it feels very weird but yes that yeah I would so, say it is a brand did you feel you know are, are you more comfortable talking about your mental health side of things now than you were 10 years ago or has this always been something that you wanted to be quite vocal about and share with your community Oh, it is absolutely something I had to learn to be open about. Um, again, solely because I think attitudes, especially in the workplace, have shifted. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Both of my parents are medical professionals. Um, so, you know, my mum my trained to be uh, a nurse at St. George's Hospital 50 years ago now. So, like, and, you know, my father's been uh, a doctor for, you know, decades. Um, so they've seen things change a lot. And when I first got diagnosed, um, my mum advised me actually both my parents told me don't tell your boss um because it might have a negative impact on you know the way things go or you know like basically they were worried that it might lead to discriminatory behavior um so i didn't tell my boss um in fact what like a couple of years down the line i did mention he like i got called into a meeting and it was like you were really weird at the end of last week like there's something going going on what's like what's wrong and i was like oh, don't worry about it. I'd run out of medication. I was going through withdrawal, but I'm I'm sorted now, so I'm fine. And he was like, well, he went, medication? I didn't know you are on medication. And I said, yeah, I take antidepressants. And he said, quote, my management training didn't prepare me for this. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. And so I was then in the position where I was responsible for his emotional reaction to me being ill. And oh, I was wow. like, I had to be like, I was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It just you asked me what was wrong. I've told you what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Can we get back to work now? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I very much kept it under wraps. Um, and then eventually, I kind of it was weird. I sort of almost came out as as neurodivergent when there was a an article run in the Guardian. This will have been like 2014, 2015. So I was still still so I'd, I'd been diagnosed. I was a few years into it, but um, there was an article talking about how doctors are just uh prescribing too many antidepressants and and people shouldn't go to the doctor for antidepressants and they're just you know filling people's pockets with pills and sending them away and i think they're, they're the heart of that there is a, an argument in that obviously the nhs has been chronically underfunded for well, years now um and simply there aren't the resources to give everyone like top-notch uh, mental health care so sure people do get diagnosed medication sooner than i think they otherwise would have as a way of getting people treated to prevent deaths um but they kind of made it into this thing where it was just like oh it's just this drug culture and everyone needs to suck it up a bit and it pissed me off so i wrote a blog about it i wrote a blog post and i was like here look and i sort of just came out about um my my own struggles with with mental health and kind of after that it just sort of became easier to talk about and i realized Mm -hmm. that like i think for some people it can be quite illustrative or cathartic to have somebody who is in a front-facing job talk about it Mm -hmm. um and kind of organically over the years that sort of morphed into something whereby like um it's it's weird it's i feel like i've 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 
I've come a long way from like playing games like PUBG and yelling down the mic to each other. All of my streams and stuff are really. I mean, I've come a long way as if that's progress. No, I haven't. I've not grown up. Um, but the tone of my the stuff I make has changed so much where it's deliberately cozy now. Because okay. it just we want like I want it to be a space where even if we're playing a game with difficult themes or if I'm playing a horror game or something like I still want it to feel safe, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think now that I've moved on to sort of doing things by myself and being on, on Patreon and stuff, I find that um, sometimes I do need to be a bit more open with the community if something's not happening. Because like okay. if I took time off for mental health uh, reasons while I was at Eurogamer or Dicebreaker, somebody else could pick up the slack and. I just simply wouldn't be in a video for a few days. Uh, but that people would assume that I was still working but doing something else. Whereas with a one-person operation, if I don't make it, it doesn't get made. Okay. So I feel like, because there's there's a slightly closer relationship on Patreon than with, say, like a parent company and, and a website which is a brand rather than just my own name. Like I <laughs> find that I feel like I need to be more open and honest with them. And yeah. luckily they're all very understanding. Like at the minute I'm on a... a I'm just coming out the end of a brief work hiatus just because I've, I've been a bit burned out and oh. I've been unable to focus. Um, and it's lovely that they are that supportive. But um, yeah, it, it it's not it's not without its sort of nerve-wracking moments. And sometimes I find that I'm, I have to be open when my natural instinct is to yeah is is to isolate just myself. To but yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting, but it is definitely something I taught myself how to do and i don't know i genuinely don't know if i would be this open about it if i weren't in a front-facing job okay how about you bertie because obviously you know i, I realize that you're not not a streamer in the sense that johnny is but you obviously you know present a lot of the eurogamer podcasts and you know with the supporters program you do inject a lot of yourself into your stories and articles which i personally love i should say you know do, do you feel you have this same responsibility to be quite vocal about when you're going through difficult times I'm glad you said you love them because otherwise I would have refused to answer that. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, that's a tricky one. Um, yes and no. I think one of the things that bothers me a bit is that my my persona on something like Twitter is that I've always been a bit foot out of the door a little bit. I've never actually shared that much about myself. I think I do things in splurges anyway like i think like you suddenly get a lot of me and then you might suddenly get nothing of me and i think that's how i work and i'm sort of trying to understand why that is and i've, I've got some ideas but um you know i don't want to sort of put put labels on it but um before i know um and i think twitter is twitter is something that i i struggle with a bit i suddenly i can be very friendly but it also it's, it's a bit too much information for me um, as well like and I, I've realized this now that when I look at it I, I just my mind is pulled in many different ways and I <laughs> I personally struggle with that because I, I I want to be interested with all these things at once so I'm, for me it's about sort of closing doors and trying to be um, a bit more spotlight focused on on one kind of thing and so I, I've also felt a bit scared about giving too much of myself to I, i'm using twitter and as, as an example here because it's the platform that i use the most in that regard um but i feel a bit scared about giving too much of myself to it because i guess then that all that opens up a vulnerability potentially mm -hmm. um as well for people to and it's it's not necessarily that i'm scared of someone saying something mean although i don't want that it's more that I don't have the energy or don't think I have the energy to address everyone that might then suddenly come at me with something. Yeah. So it's a bit like I'd rather close my front door on the noise than, uh, which I guess is something that Johnny was mentioning earlier. Um, the natural instinct to sort for me is to, is to turtle shell rather than <laughs> to kind of come out and be like, Hey, I'm, but uh, I, but I find it, I find the community, I think I said this, I find it really inspiring just seeing your post, Johnny, actually. I tweet every so often going, look, hey, I'm not streaming today because I'm not feeling great. Um, and 
I find that really inspiring and people talking about because it, it influences me, you know, it inspires mm-hmm. me to be like, yeah, do you know what? More, in, in, more and more frequently now, I think sometimes in my head, I'm like, I, I'm not having a very good mental health day. I feel a bit wobbly today, you know, I, and, and I speak to myself in my head and say, look, it's one of those days, you know, chill out, let go of the reins a little bit and just, mm-hmm. let's just, let's just get through to tomorrow, you know, mm. I can definitely going to cheer you up. Relate to that. There are times where I have to make myself take a mental step back almost and just like, you know, like, so for me quite often, like if I'm having a particularly anxious day, I can feel that everything is just firing out of control and I just have to be like, no, just focus on this one thing that you can control and get that sorted and slowly kind of just start refiling everything. So I, I definitely know what you mean by just needing to have that moment where you kind of take a little bit of a step back and just reassess what you need as a person, have a sort of check-in. How have how have you felt, Victoria, coming into the company that we that we work in? How have you felt about because what what if by the sounds of things to me, what you're living with are quite strong, potentially, and I imagine they are probably quite overpowering conditions sometimes. They- how have you felt about sort of telling people that, announcing that, and you know maybe taking time to deal with that uh i mean they they definitely can so when i get uh triggered for example especially if it's like out of the blue they can be incredibly overwhelming and i do like i have on occasion had to message tom be like just let you know my ptsd has been triggered i'm gonna have to take a step back because it is it's all consuming like it just feels like this blanket has just been thrown over and i cannot see beyond this ptsd trauma um to me, though, I suppose in some ways I'm quite lucky. I've been at Eurogame now just a little over a year and a half, I think it is now. Um, I was diagnosed with OCD a little over eight years ago. And since then, I've been quite proactive in trying to ensure that others have the same mental health sort of support that they might need. And really, like I, I've been a mental health advocate since that time. Um, so for me, I was very lucky because when I started at Eurogame, I was always quite comfortable with, you know, I have OCD, I have PTSD. So for me, it was never a should I shouldn't tell my boss kind of thing because it was already very much something that I had owned, I suppose. Is that yeah. maybe the best way to say it? Um, so my my OCD actually was something that, so PTSD I had uh, since I was younger as an instance in my childhood where I got trapped and it was very, very traumatic and I now have extreme claustrophobia. I don't, I can't, can't do it. Um, but then the OCD side of things, it's something that's always been ticking on in the background for me, but I'd never really had it diagnosed because in my mind, the OCD that I have is not, well, I mean, you guys can probably see it's, it's not like lining everything up and like, I am very messy. It's all not the kind of cliche stuff that you might see in films where people can't walk on lines. It's all very internal. Um, and so when I was diagnosed, it was actually, after I had given birth to my daughter and I had very severe pre and postnatal depression, which had very serious side effects, shall we say. And I mentioned that I'd been doing this self-bargaining with myself to try and alleviate uh, these internal, um, I think the best way to describe them. I, I was having these visions that were essentially becoming very, very real to me. And these were the obsessions. So my thoughts were becoming real, uh... basically. And I was convinced that they were going to realize themselves. And I would then try and bargain with myself being like, if I can do X, Y, or Z, then I will kind of like negate that from happening. So um, for me, I got that diagnosis and then I, you know, I've worked very, very hard. You know, like you said, Johnny, I'm on medication, which I will probably be on medication for the rest of my life. It works. I love it. I'm more than active on medication. Uh, I also do cognitive behavioral therapy and like grounding techniques and things. Um, so when I then was processing all of this, I then decided to try and be vocal about it because of the stigma around OCD about people being like, oh, it's just everything, it's 90 degrees or whatever. Um, so coming to work, to finally get back to your actual question, I was actually quite open straight from the off um, when I had been having bad days. And the news team, obviously, who I work with most mornings, like if I'm having a really, like if I've had an anxiety attack or something, I'll be like, just FYI, guys, I had a panic attack last night. Doing much better now, but I might be a bit more subdued. And I should say, you know, Martin, obviously, when he's here, Tom now have all been wonderful. So from that point of view, I'm very, very lucky. I love this. Like I say, I, I find that the whole conversation around uh, mental health within sort of gaming communities, <laughs> certain gaming communities, um, um, inspiring and i it's like the narrative has changed from um 
people living with mental health conditions, like I think we all are, but um, people living with mental health conditions to being like slightly defective to being like, it's more like it's now about people living with, you know, with, with these things it's like a positive thing and it's like how to sort of live with these things that i i like i say i think everyone has has to to a degree mm-hmm. so both of you if you were to look back now and obviously you know we, we've all discussed that you know we've had an awareness of these issues you know but obviously you mentioned you're losing your mother johnny mentioned that it was 10 years ago if you were to go back and be able to give some advice to like your younger self about you know dealing with mental health generally what advice would you want to give your your younger self or to anyone listening for me it would just be i if i could say three words to my younger self i would go all the way back to my childhood and just say you've got anxiety because i didn't i didn't know um and in fact i i did i went i went to the doctor and i got diagnosed with depression because i knew i was depressed like that was a no-brainer since i was like 14 um, but if you'd asked me, I would have described myself as a very laid back person. I was like, no, I don't really worry. I don't, I don't get anxious. Like, blah, blah, blah. but there was, a, you know, there would have been a separate part of me where I was like, oh, I'm deeply weird. Like, I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm quite messed up. And at no point did I think it might be anxiety. And my GP said uh, to me, she wanted me to go do some cognitive behavioral therapy. And initially I was resistant because I tried talking therapy in the past. and I, It wasn't for me. And I was like, well, I don't know. And basically, she was like, "Could you just for me, do, just do this, please." And I was like, "All right, fine." And I went and did it, and I had a light bulb moment halfway through the session, where I went, "Oh, I've got anxiety." Oh wow! Like I literally was like, "Oh, that's what that is." And suddenly, it was like my entire—I'm not even kidding—my entire life was recontextualized. Yeah, just everything fell into place, and yeah, um, like how much of my life I've been worrying about what other people thought of me and whether I was good enough to do things and like getting really nervous before the most like bog standard things that like any child or teen or young adult should should be able to just do effortlessly um and I, I'm still learning like uh every it's it's interesting that when I wake up that's when my anxiety is the worst so okay. oftentimes mm-hmm. in the the first seconds of my day I have to start managing my mental health to set the tone for the rest of the day but um it just means that i'm constantly having to maintain an awareness of sort of where my levels are and still work that out and i i think i mean i'm, I'm very satisfied with sort of where i've got to with it but i think if i'd realized earlier i could have put the work in earlier and mm. I'd probably be I, I mean i still have weapons grade anxiety but i i think i might be in a slightly it's just a good way of describing it i'm borrowing that by the way oh do it it's guys um there's no you know what my favorite thing about it is that it takes takes the pressure off somebody having to react you know if you yeah say, oh i i have a mental illness people you know they're like oh should i be comfortable be like oh i'm sorry it's like no no, no it's not news to me like <laughs> Basically, if I, I am well aware, <laughs> yeah, if I wrap it up in a joke, we're already we're already two steps past that bit. But but uh, anyway, yeah, no, I think <laughs> if I'd known earlier, I would have you know prepared better, and I'd you know I'd probably be in a slightly different place than I am now. Not that I'm upset with where I am now, but you know, mm-hmm. like as proud as I am to have got where I am, you know, in the face of uh, some you know quite severe periods of mental illness. Like I don't think it's I mean, it's a struggle. Like, of course it is. Like, it's difficult, and some of it's been hard and and hateful. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, that's me anyway. Um, God, I find this, I find this really tricky because a, a lot of who I am today has be, been a process of me trying to work out these yeah. uh, these things over time. So, I I always find that tricky, and I'm trying to think as a young me. What would I have, what would have been helpful for me to know? You know, I think, you know, if, if I had turned up in my life, A, I'd be really freaked out because uh, I'd be like, Dan, you look good at 40, man. But I would, um, you're right. <laughs> I would, uh, I would say something because if I said something like, let it out, like, I don't know how helpful that would be because I look a bit like sort of vague, but something I'm coming. And, and I'm, st- I'm still trying, I'm still learning things now. I'm still understanding things now. Like one of the things, the thoughts that I'm sort of investigating a bit at the moment is, 
is there potentially some ADHD there? And it's a bit of a light bulb thing for me because I'm like, you see it and I go, huh? And I'm like, oh, oh, holy shit. Like, yeah. And and that to me would have been like, oh, that that explains, you know, like a, a few things. But I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, but I'm also starting to understand that a lot of the things I think that we try and hide or keep to ourselves are actually what connect us to other people. And I think it's like revealing that, it, I think it's the vulnerabilities that sort of are like magnets and sort of attract people. Whereas, you know, if you if you are just a seemingly perfect person, you know, robust, robust sort of nothing wrong, you're just an empty vessel mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. You're just an empty person. There's nothing to... There's nothing to connect with. So it's obviously not an easy thing to live with, um, you know, depending on what people are living with. Um, But it's also a powerful thing, potentially a powerful connecting force, um, which can be really helpful. That's really, really very beautiful, actually. I, I really love what you just said. It's really nice. Thank you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Um, anyway, Eurogamer is predominantly a gaming site, so I feel we should probably talk about some games. <laughs> um, <laughs> video games! Video games, they're a thing. Um, do you, either of you have any games? Uh, so obviously I should say for anyone listening or watching, before this podcast I asked both Johnny and Bertie to think of some games that they felt sort of either connected or resonated with them for some reason on a sort of mental health level. Bertie, I'm going to come with you. Is there a game that you feel stands out to you that's either helped you in your own understanding of mental health or a game that you feel is beneficial to your mental health? Um, it's tricky, but I, I feel like because I've been thinking about this for a long time, um, or for many years, I, I should say, um, that it's rare for a game to sort of show up and go, hey, here's some new things you've never thought about uh, before. However, some games have shown me new perspectives um, on things, um, put me in a position to understand something that I didn't necessarily, that I wouldn't be able to understand because it's not something I suffer from or it's not that. Um, one of these is a game called Before I Forget, okay, um, which is a game about having dementia, about being a person living with dementia. Um, and it's a small a small game in terms of sort of scope, I suppose. Um, but it's quite powerful, you know, it puts you in the, in the position of someone struggling to, you know, just make sense of, of their world when it keeps changing, it keeps the rug keeps coming on un- from, from underneath them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was a powerful experience. Um, I also found there was a game called, uh, what comes after, um, which is a game by an Indonesian developer called Fami or Fahmi, um, who sadly died, uh, last year. Um, and it's this game about um, being a young lady um, on a train in, I think, Indonesia. Um, but, but you're on a train and you're on the way home and you sort of drift off into this uh, spirit world and you end up talking to like some spirits and things like that. And it's these conversations and they end up sort of reminding you um, of the things you have to live for. Um, and I interviewed Fabmi a couple of years ago um lovely guy um a big loss to the world um and he was saying that it was based around i think a friend who was struggling with you know uh reasons to live at the time and so it was kind of like a personal statement almost to this um almost to this person and that i I found that quite powerful um Another game that really grabbed me is a game called Kind Words, um, which is this, um, it's almost like a little toy box game, but you're, you're, just, you're in this little sort of almost cardboard cutout room kind of thing, very colorful, and you, you just write letters. Um, you write letters to other people playing the game, 
and it's all anonymous. You you you, you can and you, you can't really interact with the letters. You can you kind of reply. It's very sort of purposefully limited in what you can do, and it's all geared around positivity. Okay. Um, and I remember watching a talk by the games creators they did at GDC, and they said this thing. They said sometimes trolls need kind words the most so the question or the topic was like how do, how do you stop your people coming in to troll a really positive experience like that and the talk was about we didn't have to like they came in and trolls were soon being turned around by the sheer force of people being nice to them oh wow and i and that really was a real aha moment as well i was like because when you think about it like that you're like yeah they're just you know there's anger in them for some reason, you know, and they and they, this, this, other people is an outlet for them. It, you know, it's what they know, and then the power then for someone to turn around and be nice to them. I just I can imagine it flooring them and just yeah. being like like that giddy sense of like butterflies and just being like I've not experienced this before, and that yeah. to me is like a world changing power. Um, I've put hours into that game, and I've ne- I've not once had like a negative experience because. Um, you can put a letter out there yourself and everyone can sort of read the letter. So you can get more than one reply and you've got a, like a text box and you can give people advice and all that kind of stuff. But when you get a letter, um, a little deer pokes his head through the window with it in his mouth. <laughs> no. And you can put stickers on the letters and stuff like that. And it's it's very, very cosy. Um, like it'll play lo-fi beats if you want it to in the background and stuff like that. But it is just... It is just so kind that I'm kind of I'm amazed that it exists and functions as intended um, in today's society. It's it is I completely forgotten about that game, but I love it. It's wonderful. I I never heard of that game. It sounds wonderful. I'm going to look at at the time as well. I was going through a difficult situation myself. There was I was going through a divorce and and there was lots of stuff going on. And and I was playing it out of a sort of professional curiosity. Uh, to write about it but i thought i'll, t- I'll test this you know I'll, I'll just i'll see what happens here i'll just put this out into the game universe and see if anything came comes back um and i got like you know some letters back about this is my personal situation that i'm sharing here and like again like it was like a you know a punch in the heart in a good way it uh-huh. was um i was just like huh you know it just sometimes sometimes it is just a kind word you need someone going like like hang in there you know mm-hmm. and i always i was just like it lifted me up for the rest of the day and i thought that ability for a game it, it you know in a in a, a medium where the story around games can so often be toxicity mm-hmm. in competitive environments mm-hmm. i think just is this lovely reinforcing thing um uh yeah so that um a couple other games that i just want to shout out there was a game called solitude which i've never played but it's always thematically really resonated with me because it's maybe a bit on the nose but you're this um person uh sailing or going around this area on a boat and these huge um monsters are sort of in the sea below you these kind of shade like monsters and it's this kind of metaphor um for depression um, not that you know I've got a big monster on my arm for similar reasons, but it's this um, <laughs> you know this idea that obviously you know um, dark thoughts sometimes aren't always that far away, mm-hmm. um, but that you know that is also a part of you as well. See also the first Earthsea book by Ursula Le Guin, uh, Le Guin, Le Guin, uh, as well. Um, I'll just stop talking there. Oh, it was lovely. It was wonderful. I, I could listen to you talking for ages. <laughs> I'll be polite, though. I'll move on to Johnny then. <laughs> See if he can follow up. Um, so one thing I'm finding really gratifying at the moment is the number of games that resonate with people and get them talking about mental health but aren't explicitly about mental health um, because I think that's a real sign of progress. I think, you know, like a few years ago, obviously, uh, it's more than a few years ago, isn't it? Um, oh, time is such a weird thing. But like Hellblade, for example, people sat up and they, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, this is a game about mental health. This is very worthy. And it is. Like, I gave it an essential for Eurogamer back when badges were were a thing. Um, but what I love now is that there are games where it's about something else, but 
people just start sharing. Um, for me, recently I played Venba, which is um, a lovely, colorful game about um, an Indian couple who have moved to Canada and they're trying to make it work. Um, and they are they're thinking about packing it in and leaving Canada and going to India again when um, the wife finds out she's pregnant and then they end up staying and the rest of the game is told out in small vignettes over the course of the next like 30 years as um, as they grow up. And it's a, it's a cooking game because uh, the mother in this game, who, as, as whom you play, uh, has her mother's recipe book. But some of the recipes have been like damaged and obscured. So you're trying to piece them back together and trying to instill um, an interest in your like in your son in his Tamil roots, but he's quite resistant because he's growing up in Canada. He's never been to India. He wants to eat pizza and play video games and all this kind of stuff. So, really, it's a game about generational trauma. Um, and I streamed it. We streamed it in one one go, and I was crying my eyes out. Chat like they were crying their eyes out it's it's such an incredible like narrative experience um but also just the the deft way in which it, it deals with generational trauma and uh sort of grief and anxiety and isolation and all of these different things um they're all there and they're such fully fledged elements that it's like a wonderful exercise in empathy because like i a lot of my mental hang-ups because of anxiety are about uh feeling whether or not i'm good enough so X, Y, Z. And obviously because I've been around my family for the longest time, because they were there from day one, I am constantly worried about whether or not I'm good enough for my family. And like, they love me and they're proud of me. And I know that intellectually. But if I see any film where like, it's about earning the approval of one's parents through difficult times, like Ratatouille, How to Train Your Dragon, <laughs> I am in bits. Like I am yep. crying my eyes out. But... um so it was it was really interesting that struck a chord with me in Venba, but um it was really interesting to see um the generational trauma element uh, with regards to immigration and and um you know growing up in a country different to the one of your of your parents origin um that's not something i have experience in like i'm a third generation italian um so like my family's been in london for for literal generations now um so I'm kind of insulated from that bit, but my God, Venba just really—it absolutely devastated me in the best possible way. Um, and I just love that that's a game about—it's a game about cooking and family. But no, it isn't. It's just yeah. like unpacking. Like I was about to talk. say that with unpacking that level. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't get my stuff on the shelf, and that I was quite emotional that at that point. The diploma away is the most galling thing I, I tried to put it up in the toilet and i was like it's going on the wall and the game was getting it up yeah yeah but i couldn't but i cried a lot in unpacking and it's the same you know like you said with Vember. i was like oh it's just a nice like organizational game and then there was this level that was just you know kind of constantly there throughout and it just like slowly made its way into my my being and i was so invested in this character and their belongings and i just yeah I, I cried and I was same as you I was like I want my stuff up why can't I get my stuff yeah. in this this house that's meant to be my home and it was yeah it, it's uh, an interesting balance between the organizational gameplay and then also you know very subtle narrative storytelling yeah it's, it's was just really deft and I think beautifully done yeah I think that's where the best explorations of mental health as subject matter happened because it's organic mm -hmm. um, and also it's it's got people talking about their own experiences loads because yes. it's, it's it's becoming normalized, you know? Like, I'm sure the both of you have, have sort of done the same eye roll when, like, Mental Health Awareness Week comes around and people are like, don't forget to be aware about mental health. It's all right to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to talk about how to talk about it. Yeah. Like, what I love is you've got experiences like this where people are just doing it because it's something they're excited about. Like, they're excited about the thing and mental health as a discussion just comes up naturally and i just think that's like that is mm -hmm. it's the good stuff now i feel because my game that i was going to bring up for this is uh not nearly as sophisticated but still i think as important it's ratchet and clank rift apart oh it's a good and, game 
it's a brilliant game. And the character or the story element that I wanted to highlight was Rivet's story. Uh, she's obviously had this traumatic injury. She's now you know living with a disability, and seeing her kind of uh, she, she's she's doing so much more than surviving. Like she's just like this injury is part of her, and she is just awesome with it. And she just takes this trauma as part of her being, and she rolls with it. And I just think she's wonderful. And I played that game with my two children, and I love the fact that they were both like my daughter, especially was so inspired by Rivet. And I love the fact that that got us talking about, you know, like, you know, people with disabilities and people who have different life experiences than we may have. And it just, you know, like you said, it kind of opened up that discussion without ever having to force this discussion upon them. Yeah. And so I love that Ratchet and Clank Ratchet Apart did address that mental health side of things, living with a disability side of things. But it was never, you know, similar, I suppose, to other games. It was never like in your face. This is like we're going to address mental health. Um, and I just thought that game was wonderful for that. I realize it's, it's not quite as hyper out the heps as your... <laughs> well, the, the the lovely thing is that it doesn't have to be, like, sophisticated or, you know, it can mm-hmm. it can be, like, a, a fun, colourful game that's, like, primarily aimed at children with genuinely amazing graphics, by the way. That game looks... Oh, yeah. So beautiful. One of the best-looking games on, on the PS5. Um, but, like, that's the great thing about it, is that, like, it, when when it's done right, you like anything can be a good mm-hmm. starting point for those conversations. Yeah. yeah, and I think we're starting to see as well now that you know in the, in the olden days or in years gone by, you know, if a character had uh, mental health issues, uh, I don't want to say Hellblade because I think that's different, but then that was you know the the headline thing that was going on in the game mm. uh, that it it was about you know mental health. Whereas now, I think I hope that more games can just have characters with a you know rounded characters who are just living with mental health conditions mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily part of the story you know mm-hmm. just they, they just are they just are uh, yeah so a bit like in you know ratchet in, in clank it doesn't have to be um and, and in fact even more so in ratchet and clank it doesn't have to be a he- you know a perceived heavy game about you know big top like serious topics like that it can just it can just be a game that's very mm-hmm. much a game to be played and enjoyed for the kind of physicality of it um, yes but there's this other stuff that's happening in the game that you can see and appreciate mm-hmm. you know yeah i know that game was was wonderful and like i said i love the fact that it opened up that conversation with my young children mm. so I, I think it's again it's very important for you know obviously i realize that we're now of a generation where we're talking about it more openly but i hope for their generation it's something that will become even more normal and even more um you know not yeah just something that is more widely accepted and almost just that's that's it that's mental health sort of thing so i was very pleased with that game uh the only other series i was going to highlight was um to me it was life is strange true colors and when i played through that with alex <laughs> chen i again cried and cried and cried i found that an incredibly cathartic experience and i found myself i i felt quite empowered i think the gameplay mechanic obviously the fact that you can help like shape the narrative and being i I made choices through alex that maybe i was too scared to do in the past and for me that felt quite cathartic being able to have this outlet for something that i wish i had done Mm. yeah it does not hold back like i'm actually wearing a three colors top right now it's a black (laughs) oh it's the lantern i can see it yeah um (laughs) Yeah, it's like I couldn't believe how hard that game went from the very outset. It was mm. unbelievable. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I I've, I genuinely do feel like uh, Deck Nine is the gold standard for um, Life is Strange games nowadays. Like before, the Storm was incredible, but True Colors, it is just, it sh- it shouldn't work on paper, should it? It's like, oh, what's your character? Oh, it's someone who can see feelings. As yeah, that doesn't sound. Person synesthesia. <laughs> Like, I remember it first coming out, 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 like that being announced. Everyone going like, "Really?" But it's brilliant. It's just great. So oh, I love it. Yeah, I really love that game. As part of your last question, was it also um, games that help with mental health? Was that part of the question? I mean, I was going to come to that next. Then, do you, oh, okay. either of you have a game or a series that you know? Necess- you know, we obviously discuss games that do address mental health directly. Do you have any games that you would play just if you're like, I'm having a bad day, I just want to go to something that's 
going to give me joy? What games do you feel bring you joy? Dead Cells. Dead Cells. Uh, Roguelikes in general, but um, mm-hmm. Dead Cells is the one at the minute. Um, in fact, like it's now, it's now got to the point where it's almost like a, I can, it's like a diagnostic tool that I can use, run it backwards. <laughs> it's like if I'm playing Dead Cells on the sofa, and it's, and my partner's asleep, I'm not well. And I found okay. myself before like that. I've been like, what time is it? Oh, it's half one in the morning. I'm playing Dead Cells. Uh oh. You know, like, but uh, basically, it, what I like about it is the fact it is different every time, but obviously, as you learn each sort of biome or level, mm-hmm. um, it's familiar. So it's, there, there aren't too many surprises, but it's, it's also not just playing the same route every single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just busy enough that I can't maintain an, an internal monologue. Okay. It just I just enter a I enter the rogue like trance, and it just it just sort of keeps me there. It's like lowering myself into a bath. Um, it just <laughs> it just stops my brain from being quite so immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good pressure valve for me, and it it changes the game I use. Uh, it used to be Stardew Valley, um, but then Dead Cells happened, and then Hades happened, and then I went back to Dead Cells. So. I found my niche, basically. Or rut, if you will. I'll go with yes. Yeah, and I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned roguelikes because the same thing, like something I struggle with is that my, um, like for instance, I wake up at the weekend and my mind suddenly is like, let's do 10 things at once. And I just, and then, and, and it wants to do them all quite intensely. And, and it, it's like someone starts squeezing my head and I'm like, uh, you know, I just need something for my mind to kind of latch onto. And actually I find... I find bigger games like, um, say something like The Witcher or at the moment Baldur's Gate or something like. I actually find, I actually get a little impatient with them playing them because there's not enough moment-to-moment stimulation sometimes to kind of, which is why roguelikes work quite well because you can sort of feast on them in, uh, yeah, um, and, get, and keep going back. And like um, Johnny said, it's they become very familiar places after a while i actually used to really love just doing nothing much in world of warcraft i really (laughs) um just because the whole game um, people sort of forget it's so packed with stuff now but back at launch it was quite an empty place um and so it took a while to do anything but i loved that space and emptiness there was just enough i'm i don't know if it's because i learned an instrument growing up but sort of monotonous repetition okay I'm, i'm all i'm all about a bit of monotonous repetition. They become quite um, meditative, just, meditative yeah. almost. In fact, one game that um, when I was going through um, a divorce and it, it was like an on-paper stressful time, I actually now think all times are roughly similar. Um, but it was an on-paper stressful time. I had this puzzle game on my phone called Stick It, um, which I'm trying to remember, it's like um, a, a grid and you like you place these cubes um, and you're trying to match like three colors um, in various ways. And that was it. And, it. and it had this sort of book-like effect of my mind being all over here and just like focusing the beam. Um, and when the beam was sort of focused, the stillness sort of came. And I was like, ah, and then I would fall asleep. It was like a game I could fall asleep to. Yeah. You know, I could I could just play Starfield for that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yes, oh. I have fallen asleep to Starfield recently. How about you, Victoria? I always return to the familiar, and I do this with films and books as well. If I'm ever having an anxious time, I go back to saying I know inside out. So for me, if I'm having a bad day, I go and play Uncharted. One, two, three, or four, All Lost Legacy. I know those games far too well, probably. <laughs> but uh, So they're, they're, for me, they're kind of like a nice mix of action, adventure, some pretty people, colourful set pieces that I can just go and, you know, lose the uh, anxiety aspect of my mind but also not really have to pay attention yeah i think it's that game so, where you, yeah. you you don't feel you don't feel stressed or anxious about having to learn something or that you can't play the game yet like, yeah. you know it well enough that you can play it um, but it's not too taxing yes yeah. but it's taxing enough that your mind doesn't wonder and yes. i think that's that's when you hit a really nice that's sweet, sweet spot, spot isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> So that yeah, that for me, uh, I also play Mario Kart like an absolute savage. Amazing, and that's uh, yeah, that's quite a good little. If I'm, that's more than if I'm feeling like 
stressed and I need to have like just chuck a banana on someone else and let them (laughs) (laughs) like more than if I just need a meditative moment so yeah have you ever have any of you ever played competitive games to get the same effect because I'm curious whether it could work because I know it would take all your attention but I to me it always leaves me a bit riled up Mm. I think I'd maybe add to my anxiety if I was to try and do that when I, because I can be quite competitive, but my competitive nature, I think, is quite good spirited, and so I think if I was in a bit of a down in the dumps mood, mm. I wonder if that would maybe just add to anxiety rather than the sort of thrill of the competition. I've, I mean, I'll, I'll let you know. I can try it next time. <laughs> I, I there, to an extent, I can. Like I, I'm still playing a lot of um, uh, Halo at the minute. Like Halo, also, I, I play it. Oh. Friday nights with some of my friends, um, uh, and sometimes if I'm if I'm not in a good place, like I can still play it because it's like white noise at this point. I've been playing Halo all my life. Like someone pops up, you know, assault rifle, switch to pistol, pop, 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 punch them in the face mm. if they need it for, for <laughs> me. Like it's it's competitive, but it's not cerebral. Okay, um, yeah, and so. I, I can do that, but I, generally speaking, if I'm trying to take the edge off, I'll, I'll use single player experiences or like Sea of Thieves, like you can just avoid other people or just be nice to them. Yeah. Um, mm. But, um, <laughs> but there, there is that thing as well, I think, in again, I suppose I had it uh, with World of Warcraft um, and other games where you have like a, a recurring social group where it becomes like. It's just nice to have that interaction, yeah. And and, and you've you've got the game as a sort of sp- fidget spinner at the same yeah. time, yeah. But you're kind of, you know, you're chatting and hanging out with people, which there's is a sort of. Uh, there's actually a running joke among uh, my friends who I I play Halo with, where if we're really doing badly in a game, someone will be like, "Quick, bring up trauma," because <laughs> that was there was one time we were playing, and I had I had quite an upsetting experience earlier that day. And so I was describing what had happened and how it made me feel and why I felt like it was unfair that someone had, you know, sort of mistreated me because they were going through something and blah, 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 blah. And we looked down and we were, it was a game of Slayer. We were 30 points ahead. Oh, wow. This enormous lead. And we were like, whoa, what happened? Because we weren't like talking about tactics or anything. I was having a moan and it was so cathartic, but we really noticed it. And so now we've like... It's become a joke where it's like, oh, we're really, we're really push the trauma on this one. It's like, is anyone, is anyone really troubled? Come lately? on, bring it out to the surface, guys. Let's deal with this. And the thing is, it's people do not because we think it's going to get us the win, but because it's an invitation. They'll be like, is it, mm-hmm. you know, and someone will be like, actually, yeah, this thing happened to me the other day, and suddenly we're talking about it. Um, and it's it's those little groups, yeah, like because I know, I know, I know how halos perceived at the minute and like how it's had a rough launch and all that kind of stuff like like every time i open my phone i swear i see an article being like is halo <laughs> gonna die three four three apologizes again for halo and i'm like i love that game I, I love getting in there with my friends and being silly on a friday night um but i've also come to realize it doesn't matter what we're playing it's the fact that we're there yeah. being little goofballs so I do love that you've got that where you, you you're saying you're bringing it up as like a little bit of a joke, but as you said, it immediately does just open up the yeah. the doors for this conversation, which I think is amazing. Yeah, and like that's the thing: invitations to share don't have to be like solemn, sit down. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an intervention. It's yeah, exactly. Just, uh... Ah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> One additional question for Johnny: um, Do you ever feel a release in the same kind of way playing a tabletop? role-playing game or is that to oh. switch on uh yeah no i do uh so uh i got in 2020 slash 2021 i got massively massively into blood bowl um the games workshop uh equivalent of, of american football in fact immediately after this i'm going to uh, bad moon cafe in south london because it's league night and oh, I've, wow. got, I've got we're a playoff start next month um so we're in our third year of running a, a a league i'm co-commissioner um and it's just silly like all of the teams obviously the game itself is ridiculous but the law we've brought up around our teams is ridiculous we've got an online blog <laughs> for our in-world newspaper oh wow <laughs> and like the league is so the, you know when someone makes a, a typo in whatsapp and everyone jumps all over it 
<laughs> yes. My friends tried to type Joy Cons for the Switch. And it, oh, no. it also corrected to hot bobs. And <laughs> so I'm not kidding. Apologies if you're listening to this on audio, but we are the Hot Bobs League uh, or yeah, HBL. That's so good. Um, and it's, it's just dark, but it just means that even if I'm not actively playing it, if I'm talking about it or thinking about it, it I do get that release. And then playing with yeah. friends, it helps that the league itself is quite tight knit. Like we're a group of friends who all sort of knew each other before. Mostly, I've met some new people and they're lovely, but everyone's just nice. And you can sit down and just be like, here's what's wrong. And then you smash little plastic men into each other for three or four <laughs> hours. It's, it's, a, it's a joy. It is, I would say, obviously the level of investment is higher because you have to go somewhere, set it yeah. up. The rules are complex. You've got to keep it all in your head because there's no, there's no computer running it in the background. But um, yeah, while it is a lot, lot harder to get the same buzz from tabletop um it yeah i definitely get it i think just play and community is is play really community important. Is so important yeah absolutely all right i have one last follow-up question which i'm going to sort of address to both of you because you inspired me with your tabletop chat you have both played role-playing games you've obviously seen johnny box venture bertie i know that you have some D on the side you're wearing a lovely mind flare t-shirt right now that i've ever seen it's lovely do you feel then when you are making a character can you be a little bit like Beyonce when she goes into her Sasha Fierce mode? Do you feel that sometimes that actually you find it easier to live out your emotions through a character that you've created? Absolutely, yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had journeys with characters where I've started out with them one way. Like, I played a, a teenager once who was like quite a precocious orphan in the Wild West, and then his life just started going in a way that he didn't anticipate, and I, he wasn't responding to it very well and wasn't dealing with it well and there were a few times after sessions when we were like what are we gonna do about judah like it was okay. the first time in my life i felt a character was getting away from me and i was oh, worried wow. i was worried for a, a fictional young man that lived in my own skull oh wow um and there's i mean there's got to be something going on there um <laughs> like the, it, i think they are definitely arenas where you can you can play out things that are personally cathartic or have experiences that make you have a genuine reaction. Like I've cried at the tabletop many times because of things that have happened in a session um, because it feels real. And the emotions you process are the same emotions, no matter the source. So yeah, I think they can be, I think they can be tremendous, tremendously cathartic. Um, it's just, again, it's, you know, it's about the right setting, uh, the right people, you know, to make sure the environment is safe. Mm -hmm. um i think it, there's a there's big potential for it to be upsetting if mishandled but um yeah no i i, I mean i love tabletop games so i've had this sort of sometimes i find because i don't, I, I don't, haven't yet sat down i think it's something with a few thoughts going on here i think that's something that the more comfort and confidence um you get with uh ttrpgs i think the more you would like that to be i would like that i love the you know the role-playing side of it i want to you know I, i'm into theater instead you know being in play and I, I love that aspect of you know trying to create a real scene you know with real reactions and that kind of thing but i haven't sort of sat down to think oh this character you know maybe struggles with this and yet all the characters i create because they're created by me tend to have echoes of my life anyway like I realized that one of my characters was trying to find his his mum who was lost in the spirit world and I hadn't sat down to create this but I had that aha moment like oh, wow. which is obvious now it's people and I was like oh oh like I've, I've sort of created myself accidentally uh in a game so I think it sort of comes out but I'm I'm really interested in personally I've got a um a game on the shelf I'm pointing at behind it's um the Die RPG by Kieran Gillen and uh, Rowan Ruck and Deckard, which has got this really interesting conceit where you play, um, you play people playing characters in a role-playing game. Okay. So there's like two layers. Um, so it gives you an added invitation to create players playing characters who have got things they want to explore um, wow. in a role-playing world. So it's like this extra. And in fact, there's a whole chapter in this book and there are in every um, I think Dungeon Master book I've looked at and stuff where it says, Whoa, back there, you know, like 
make sure you sit down with the people playing beforehand because you don't know what triggers people mm. make sure everyone's okay with stuff give people a way they can um you know quietly say that's not for me and all these things there's a lot of safety features i think built in or encouraged um in these games but i'm yeah i'm really keen to sort of explore these things thank you both so much I, i'm aware that we have now uh, topped an hour i think i told johnny it would be half an hour so thank you, both I, you so thought much. i was getting my, sure. myself into the best season <laughs> as soon as i said bert and you're like yeah i'm gonna add yeah, 45 minutes onto yeah, that yeah. <laughs> no, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for having me on. And like genuinely, like it's lovely to, to meet you properly and, and to work with you. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you both. It's been an absolute pleasure. And yes, anyone who's uh, any stories they'd like to share, please do get in touch with the Eurogamer comments underneath. Uh, there's, there'll be a blog post accompanying this. And yeah, I hope everyone has a very happy, healthy day. Thank you, Victoria. And thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.